Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Competitive Enablement Show. I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and today I was joined by Chris Ignoli, the Competitive Enablement Lead at Juniper Networks. During our conversation, Chris really gave me the lowdown on what he did to carve out the Competitive Enablement role at Juniper and the early steps he's taken to level up how thousands of sellers across multiple product lines and multiple time zones are competing. So, whether you're trying to wrap your head around establishing competitive enablement at a large enterprise company like Chris has, or you're operating at a smaller scale, the lessons he shares from his experience are applicable regardless. Consider this an early cheat sheet to competitive success from one of the best in the business. With that all said, let's get into today's episode. All right, today, I am joined by Chris Ignoli, the Competitive Enablement Lead at Juniper Networks. Chris has had the good fortune of working in enablement roles at companies like Cisco, Aruba Networks, and now Juniper Networks. He's got 28 years of experience under his belt, and his roles have ranged from being a printer technician in the 90s, progressing to systems engineer and solution architect roles at VARs, And now he's leading the competitive enablement strategy at Juniper Networks. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. No, it's no problem, Adam. I'm glad to be here. We've been, we've been angling to get Chris on for a hot minute now. It's been, well, you, you presented at the competitive enablement summit that was back in late October. And ever since then, I've been dying to get you on the pod. It's a new year and now we have you. So I'm, I'm really excited to kick this thing off. What we want to talk about in this episode today really is how the heck did you carve out an entirely new role in your industry and how on earth you did that at a company that's as large and as established as, as someone like Juniper Networks? So uh, I can't take credit for it. Uh, I work for two amazing people and they selected me for this role as they were provided data from a previous seller survey that happens every year at Juniper. We survey every one of our salespeople and we ask them what are their top five challenges. And the number one challenge at the end of 2020 was a need for better competitive intelligence. And Hang Hang Black, the VP of uh, Revenue Enablement, she does not want to just do what everyone else is doing. She definitely realizes that if it's a problem now, if we just throw more of whatever we were doing at the problem, it's not going to fix it. So they took a whole new approach and said, rather than talking to our friends in product marketing or in product development and asking them what they can do to help us provide more competitive intelligence, she said, we're going to build a new role. So her and Chris Gato, my manager, they determined it was better to create a global role that is focused on competitive for all of Juniper. So what you need to understand is a company like Juniper or Cisco or Aruba or many of the others that I've worked at, there isn't a single widget that we make, right? There are many different product groups and each of those product groups, they have their own P&L. And that means that they're focused on their product, their one product or their one series of products, right? So if you've got several product groups and each one of them takes a unique approach to competitive, that's no bueno for a sales force that sells everything to their customers, right? So we needed a global approach that was going to be consistent and, and really meet the need. And what Hang and Chris came up with was the, the competitive enablement lead role. And I was tapped to, uh, to interview for it. And so, yeah, on that, on either side of the coin there, what was sort of the need to improve on, on competitive? You mentioned 
you've got global sellers across the board you've got so many different business units and like you mentioned now the sellers uh, the seller survey says they need better competitive content but as you mentioned better and more aren't exactly the same thing and when you have so many sellers so many business units an immediate response could be all right let's give them more 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 but then how the heck do you organize all of that so on that competitive side of the coin like what did it look like the areas that needed fixing or improving for for a company at that size what became increasingly apparent was that the the output from each of the different business groups uh, was different. So some of the teams would focus on Juniper strengths in their competitive materials. Some of the groups would focus on the competitors' specific weaknesses, and those weaknesses may not have even been germane to 90% of our customers. So we needed to drive competitive intelligence that mattered to the sellers and that mattered most importantly to the customers that those sellers were talking to. So I did a significant number of interviews, just understanding what the challenges were with our internal sellers as it pertained to competitive. And then I set about to build a strategy to fix that problem. What were some of the challenges when you were doing these? Do you remember one of these interviews? Is there any that stood out in particular that, that you're like, all right, I think I'm onto something here as I start to conduct these surveys with people that are actually out on the field doing the deals in the heat of battle. So there's one that stands out that, so you can't boil the ocean. Number one, if you're gonna build a program, understand what your limitations are and what you can and cannot do. And one of our um, enterprise account reps handles an account in in, uh, North Florida that's a lot of fun to go to. He mentioned to me, geez, Chris, it would be great if you could just build a bot that I could ask any question that the customer has about competitive and it would just answer it. I'm like, great. Uh, where's my spaceship? I can't. I, I can't invent this kind of technology, and we certainly don't have the resources to, to. To. I mean, we have an amazing artificial intelligence engine in our Mist product line, but I don't think that Sudhir would be very happy with me if I asked him to hijack it and focus on competitive instead of our customers' specific challenges. As as funny as that situation is, and unrealistic as that request is, at least for now, it it does tie to something though that. Although the solution he wanted is not realistic now, with that moment right there, you can quickly understand, okay, this is the problem that he's having. It's on the fly, needing quick responses and feeling confident in those responses, right? So it's funny, even in a like comedic situation now, you're like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm not, that's not coming anytime soon. But what I can do is start to build out this role, this segment within our business that's going to start to address those needs that that you're, you're clearly seeing as something worthwhile and valuable for, for, for a seller. Yeah, yeah, no question. It's, and it, it's, it's having the, setting the proper expectation with every conversation that you have is critical. And there's, there's a couple of things that I focused on during the competitive summit that are just germane to my line of thinking as it comes to, as it pertains to competitive. And the number one thing is trust. If your sales team does not trust you and the content you're providing to them, you may as well not build it because they're not going to use it. They're not going to risk losing a 30 or 40 or $50 million deal because somebody that they don't trust gave them a PDF that uh, they swear has all the answers in it. You're better off to have no content than to have content that's incorrect. And the other part of this business need is it's enablement. And I guess that seller's response kind of ties to this, but how did you identify the business need or area of improvement on the enablement side of things? So that was pretty straightforward as well, because as an organization, um, Hang was building a new sales revenue enablement 
organization. And it was critical to make sure that every asset that we built was something that was needed and something that would be leveraged. We're not living in, in, in a world where you can just endlessly create content and hope that people are just going to use it and that's going to meet the mark. So enablement became the focus here. And because we have a standard enablement plan or record that outlines what the organization's goals are from, a, from an overall sales division and what the needs are of the sellers, we can fill those gaps and we can do it in a way that, may, that ensures that it remains accurate and relevant throughout the year. So uh, another one, another big uh, focus has to be curation. If you're, you don't think that if you just build a battle card or you create a competitive PowerPoint deck that your job is done, it's, mm -hmm. it's never done. There's always going to be a, a change in the business. Uh, one, one thing for us, we're a technology company and our hardware leverages software and many of our solutions are software. And we're a single software release away from everything about that product from a competitive perspective being obsolete. And that's not just, you know, a Juniper software release. Uh, we could have one of our peers in the market release a new software version and suddenly all of our content is out of date because all of the weaknesses that we may have identified, they may have fixed and now we have to start over again. And again, it's critical that you recognize those things are going on and you pull that information back because it's detrimental beyond belief for a seller to be in front of a customer confident in what it is they're saying only to find out that three weeks ago, all those problems resolved. And what's worse, the customer says, yeah, but they were just here and they told us that X, Y, and Z was fixed by release 12.2. So how, why should I trust you with my money if you don't even know what your competitors are doing? What I'm hearing from you on both of those answers as well is this idea of called sort of efficiency and no wasted bullets, I guess, in terms of the content you're creating, even sort of just your approach to how this program will work and how you're going to operate and meet the seller's needs as best as possible, because you can't satisfy everything, but you do need to be effective and make a difference to the business. So moving, moving on to sort of formally carving out this role, everyone can point out these business problems you're like, all right. Competitive content's out of date. It's stale. Sellers, I wish I had this, I don't know, this AI robot on my shoulder just spewing out, doing sell, sales for me. I wish I had a robot that could sell for me, but I'd still get my commission check. I, can, I feel like I point out things that we could do within our own business better every single day. And it's su super easy to be the armchair expert saying, this needs to be better. This needs to be better. But what was the starting point for you and your team for pitching this role as a solution to the problems you identified? Well, number one, it was making sure that there was going to be confidence, not only in the sales leadership, but the sellers themselves, and that by, by moving forward with this strategy, it was going to move the ball, it was going to have an impact in revenue, and it wasn't going to slow things down. We had to do that first. We had to ensure that the sellers understood the processes we were going through were going to be better for them overall. The previous experience was not great. There were several, and by several, I mean in, 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 in as many as 10 different locations that you could go to find competitive data. It might've been in a SharePoint server someplace. It may have been inside of a high spot spot. It could have been in Mind Tickle. There were so many different places that competitive information was housed. Not only was it difficult to make sure that that was current and accurate, it was just difficult to know where to find it. I think easily the biggest bang for the buck for us was when we decided we're going to use Clue as our platform 
And that means that all things competitive are going to live inside that platform. There's a single spot for you to go. And because, oh, actually, Clue has a great integration with Highspot, that means even if found on Highspot, it still lives in Clue. It's only got one source of truth, one place that things get updated. And when we explained that and showed that to our sales leadership, said, look, as as someone uncovers something, it's going to be corrected inside this platform. And because it's all housed there, every other instance of that intelligence is immediately updated and current. And oh, by the way, the sellers can see how old it is and who wrote it just inside the platform. It was updated by Chris Agnoli on January 2nd. That drives confidence. And that was an immediate win for us. So having a strategy that also leverage tools that we're going to make that strategy easier to come to, to, to come to pass made a huge difference in selling it to, to leadership. What I'm hearing from you is sort of, I think, and this is probably, this probably makes sense with a company so big is alignment is sort of a key result that you need, a key result that you need from this process. I mean, when you first started, you said I, we aligned to sort of our organization's goals and now we're aligning with what the sellers are saying to their problems. And now we're aligning it in a streamlined, simple way for accessibility. So there is a single source that, you know, seller X in whatever time zone and X uh, seller Y in another time zone, they're, they're saying the same things about your product and they're saying the same things about your competitor. You're not going to get this disparity. And I think that's probably one of the key things that can provide a, a benefit through your competitive enablement role. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Alignment's key. And having regular conversations is critical. Knowing what what the experience is by the sellers is very important. And for being able to provide metrics and show to the teams that they're using these things is, is equally as important. It's, it's a big job, but it's a lot of fun. Um, I enjoy it. I, I am a team of one managing global competitive enablement for Juniper. And it's only possible because we have a winning strategy and a set of tools that'll make it possible. If Chris can do it at a company like Juniper, then you can do it too. It's possible. Although Chris is pretty damn good too. Well, so let me just clarify that. One of the things that makes it possible is that I'm not trying to boil the ocean. There are hundreds of competitors inside this technology space. And I'm very specific about tier one are the only competitors I'm focused on today. As the strategy builds out and as we prove what we're doing, more resources Mm -hmm. will come. And I can add tier two and tier three competitors. If you're not honest with your stakeholders about what you are and aren't going to do, they'll set their own expectations. And if you don't get out in front of, in front of that, it's a big problem. So one of the other things that we were focusing on was I'm only going to focus my efforts in year one on our tier one competitors and in these three products and defenses are drawn. They know what we're doing. They don't expect anything more, but they expect exactly what I told them. So you've kind of identified problems. You're starting to carve out where the role fits within the organization and the teams it will enable, the, how, how it will function. You've sort of like setting a vision for how that will look for end users, like you mentioned, these curators. What about selling this, now selling this um, solution internally? You mentioned sort of sales leadership and the alignment to sales leadership. Were they, are they a team or an individual that you had to get on board early in order to start to sell this vision and present this solution? Yes. Um, it's many people across many countries. And it was imperative that I, I started developing the strategy in conjunction with conversations with them. 
It's critically important if you're going to do something this big and this different that you don't just surprise everybody with it. And so I scheduled purposeful meetings with each of the individual sales leaders to outline what I saw as the problems, to gather their feedback, to validate that that was in fact important to them and what their problems were, and then shape the overall vision regularly with them. I will tell you, I I took this job in November of 2020, and I started to execute on the strategy in July of 2021. Okay, that's seven months plus of bill of interviewing, gathering data, and in, in, in building a strategy that everyone understood and was behind. If I had just come in and said, okay, well, we, we need competitive information. I'm going to talk to a few salespeople. I'm going to build this in a bubble. I'm going to create this big strategy. And I'm just going to spring it on our sales leadership. And they're going to make, whoa, whoa, wait a minute with it. That, we don't have all of those problems. It's <laughs> very important that what you bring, especially when you go to somebody like our EVP of sales and say, oh, by the way, Marcus, I really need $300,000 to make this work. He needs to believe. So the the way to get those people to believe in it is to include them in the process all along the way, every step. What was the most pushback you received during this process? Is is there a moment that stands out to you? Probably it can't be all it can't be all perfect, right? Like I mean, there's a lot of people. There's probably a lot of different opinions, a lot of different perspectives. That is inevitable. That it's not just going to be boom, boom, boom. Here we are on your on your on your way. No, Adam, it's not. <laughs> uh, it, it's um, we live in a post-COVID world, right? And every organization is doing everything that they can to be as lean as possible and maximize the profits they have because that's just what you have to do to survive in the 21st century. And as I mentioned, each team has their own resources that are creating competitive assets. And suddenly, I was this person coming in and say, "I'm the competitive guy." Now. You're not the competitive person. I'm the competitive person. That's not a good conversation. And so you, I had to approach that with, I'll be program managing the competitive enablement program, but I'm going to need your resources to build these things out. And the immediate pushback you get is we're already building content for marketing. We're already building things for the channel. We're already building things for our sellers. Why should I have to build something for you? Having to convince them that by working with me, it was going to minimize the amount of work they had rather than give them more work. Uh, it took a fair amount of effort, but, but I will tell you we were off to a slow start, but now the curators are begging me to get into, into the platform because it's so easy to use. And they're just excited about the views that they're getting on their content prior to my um, prior to coming to my role. There was X percentage of sellers that were regularly attending and looking at the competitive spot on high spot. And since I've joined, that's increased by 187%. The reason that it's increased is because it's curated now and they trust it. Before it was a spattering of content in many different places and nobody knew where to go. So if you've got 10 or 11 or 13 different places to go and Google happens to be one of them, that's not, that's not a winning strategy. We need to to provide direction to help them see where to get that content. So as my content creator started to see that the content I was asking them for was actually being leveraged, suddenly the interest comes right back up. I think you might've answered my question, my next question here, but I was going to ask, was there like a watershed moment where you're like, boom, it caught on? Or is it this gradual thing as you start to see results, like quantitative results, like, yo, people are starting to read this because it's more accessible and then the ball starts rolling. It's very much a snowball effect. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Like in my mind, I'm like, what well, is that one moment where Chris just woke up and bang, everything was seamless. I, 
I don't think we live in that world. <laughs> uh, so uh, it, it is it is not all unicorns and rainbows. When I launched the platform and I didn't actually, I did a soft launch. Jeez, I didn't, geez, my, my training is still yet to happen. We had some rather hot competitive information come in. I convinced the teams to use the platform. We did the recordings. We got the battle cards created. We did the integrations with Highspot. Everything was where it was needed, needed to be. And we uncovered not necessarily a bug, but certainly a reading comprehension problem uh, on, the, on the behalf of some of our sales teams. So when you use single sign-on for your LMS or your document management system and with Clue, there's a requirement that you log in one time and then it caches it and uses it and everything's fine. These folks didn't necessarily understand that when they logged, when they were asked for credentials to sign into Clue, that it was going to, uh, they were going to have to click OK after they did it. So I got a bunch of negative feedback that, come on, this, this new tool is terrible. I can't see anything. I signed in and I can't see anything. Well, they signed in and they didn't close the tab. If they had closed the tab on their browser and looked at the tab that it launched from, all the content was there. What does, um, what does your relationship with sales leadership look like today now that you're, you've kind of taken the competitive enablement program off the ground and you're, you're more established now? Uh, they certainly look to me more. They are appreciative of the efforts that are ongoing, but also under, they also understand it's, it's a journey. I have probably 25% of the competitive content I'd like to have at this point complete. And it's a resources deal, right? We're getting there piece by piece, but I am seeing um, more people that are including me in things. I was just included in the meeting later today for one of our data center teams. And it was just came out of the blue. I mean, I haven't been actively engaged with them for some time, but the last person that I spoke to a few months ago invited me to a, to a meeting and I'm the agenda item. So there's that visibility over time. Now you're starting to get brought into these conversations and it speaks to your point before about not being in sort of this ivory tower silo when you're creating competitive content, you're going to be overworked and your efforts are going to be underutilized externally. So it's sort of like, it's almost like crowdsourcing in a, in a way. So you kind of create like a feedback loop, this kind of virtuous cycle where yes, you are the competitive expert, but you're sort of building a culture and people are feeding stuff back to you so that it becomes not just on Chris's shoulders, but you're sort of the figurehead of this competitive culture that's being bred within Juniper? It's quite satisfying because the teams, they are responding better now. It takes a while. These are these, these old processes are decades in the making, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like Juniper is a 10-year-old company. It's been here a long time and things just get done because they've always been done that way. And I'm, uh, I've always considered myself a change agent. It sounds cliche, but I enjoy making things better. Fortunately for me, a lot of the times what I'm changing isn't something I was necessarily uh, doing. So I, I got to see the benefit from it. I didn't necessarily have to live through the change, except from a, from a, um, a change management perspective. So it, it, there's, it definitely takes work. And again, expectations are critical. If you're if you don't properly set the expectations with your leadership teams and with your sales teams, if they're not going to know exactly where you're going with this, they'll build it up in their heads, and then you're doomed to fail because you didn't deliver what they thought thought you were going to deliver. Well, I don't know what you're thinking, but I know what I'm doing. So I would rather tell them what I'm doing and be thrilled when they when they are happy that it happens, rather than miss a conversation and have to have an uncomfortable conversation later. Because the conversation is going to happen one way or another. You might as well be on the front end of it. 
when you say you, the thing that resonated with me there immediately was things have been done the way they've been done and that's just how it is sometimes but that's not how you evolve and you just said you're a, was it a change agent there that you're looking for efficiency so with that said I, i've got a, i've got a question for you here what is the difference between competitive intelligence and competitive enablement, the old way and the new way from your perspective? I would say the old way is a one-way conversation where somebody in a cubicle is doing research and they're putting things out from their perspective and it's, and it's just, it's vomited out to the entire teams. And the new way, what we're driving is very much a two-way street, not only because there's regular communication between leadership and the content creators, but there's also a regular bit of communications thanks to Clue's comment button inside of the platform where the sellers can actively bring things back and say, you know, I love that you told me this is what the competitors go to market messaging was. And that was true six weeks ago, but today my customer said X, Y, Z, and I'd like you to correct that. And so they've, they now feel empowered to bring that information back. And there is a way to keep things current and leverage crowdsourcing further. We don't just use our technical marketing engineers and our marketing teams to create competitive content. We leverage the experience that our best solutions architects and salespeople have in the field to help drive and make sure that the content that's being created is impactful. And that's the biggest change. That was an incredible answer, Chris. I'm going to have to listen. To, I'm going to listen back to that one on repeat a couple of times, I think. Uh, okay. Last little section here because we've talked a lot about sort of your journey your experience and i hope that the listeners are who are thinking dang how am i taking on this competitive project competitive enablement where do i start and sort of seeing your tangible story at somewhere like juniper can start to make it feel a bit more attainable and i, I want to continue to talk about what you've done but also in the context for someone listening what they can do because like you mentioned this is a big project but it's also doable so we could go a whole we could go all weekend recording we're recording on a friday here people we could go all weekend diving into like how juniper's compete program operates your competitive strategies but i don't want to reveal all of your secrets and i want to be courteous of your time but for someone that's at this point where okay you've got the thumbs up to begin this competitive enablement process and now it's it's real. It's time it's time to start moving. It's time to start acting. Where the heck do I start? What are the first two or three steps that someone in those shoes should take? Step number one is go back to Clue's competitive summit and listen to the keynotes, every single one of them, because each one of us had something different to say that me that matters. There's a there's a wealth of of knowledge from competitive intelligence professionals all over the globe that were providing very valuable insight for free to the teams. So go back and take advantage of that. This is a significant amount of information that you can use there. I wouldn't start anywhere else. Number two, don't boil the ocean. Start small, set the proper expectations, turn every win into an opportunity to do more until you've got what you need to be. Don't don't just sit down. Don't don't fall into meeting itis. Don't get into a position where you've you've decided you're going to create this program and then spend six months building a program with nothing to show for it without communicating with the teams. Regularly talk to your stakeholders. Identify who your stakeholders are. Make sure they're bought into what it is you're doing. If they're not bought in, seek some help from your leadership on how you can help get them to buy in. It's, it's going to be important that you do this with the team. There is no there, there is no getting this done as a, a person or a small group. It takes the company to buy in 
and make sure that you're going to be successful there. And I would say set a realistic, realistic expectation on how long it's going to take to build your strategy. Again, I was seven months, right? That's, that's asking a lot, but I've got great leadership. And they were very supportive because they understood how big the challenge was to do this in an enterprise company. Even if you're not in a large organization like Juniper, it's still a big ask. There's a lot to consider. You need to understand how you're going to deliver the content, how it's going to be curated, what you're going to build. Don't think that there's one size fits all. Competitive is unique for every organization. You have your own unique set of competitors and you have new competitors cropping up or you may not, but you will if you don't. Once you're successful, someone's going to see that and they're going to want to do what you're doing, what your company's doing. So you'll have to keep an eye on it and just know what's going on. I don't think it makes a lot of sense to just start executing. You need to plan and you need to take your time to get it right and set the expectations. Chris, I appreciate your time so much today. Um, I'm sure... I'm sure the listeners have enjoyed this one. And I'm also sure that we'll be bringing you on again in the future, even if you want to or not, it's going to happen. I'm happy to come back. I enjoy sharing what it is that I, that I'm passionate about. And my, as, as you mentioned at the beginning, my career is pretty storied. I've done things from, you know, putting, you know, fixing dot matrix printers in the 1990s. It doesn't get any different from what I'm doing now, but I've enjoyed every bit of my journey and every, portion of my professional experience has led me to where I am today. I, you know, I didn't become a competitive enablement expert overnight. It took a great deal of time to do this. As I was working at Cisco and at Aruba in the enablement side of things, you have to be cognizant of your competition. So I built those skills over 10 plus years, right? It's, it's not something you're going to do very easily, but you need people that are willing to share with you. If you've got questions, ping me. I'm happy to answer them. I'm not, uh, I'm not going to give you any Juniper tech secrets, <laughs> but I'll help you where I can. All right. On that note, Chris, thank you so much for your time. And listeners, we'll catch you all next week.